Hello, and welcome to Live or Just Blethering, a podcast where two 30-somethings discuss the music we found and loved growing up. My name is Keith McLeod, and with me is my fellow host, Chris Lavender. Today on Live or Just Blethering, I'll be discussing Hello Nasty by the Beastie Boys. A very good day to you, Keith. How are you? Oh man, I've just got so many references and lyrics in my head that I just want to, that's how I want to communicate via Beastie Boy lyrics, but I'm just going to sound like a dick. So I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, feeling good, feeling well. How is the uh, the COVID? Has that passed? First episode in maybe three or four weeks where I've not got a cold or a hangover or a pandemic-worthy virus. So I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing a lot better. COVID did not take that much out of me, thankfully. I put that fully down to being vaccinated three times. So I might be sterile, but I didn't get the uh, the COVID for very long. And uh, yeah, no, uh, thankfully, not, not not too bad, man. So thanks for asking. Good. How, how are you? Hey, hey, bud. How, how are you? Things are well. Things are well. We've uh, Good, man. It's been a, an interesting week with the, the music choices. Um, just a peek behind the curtain for our fans there was a potential that we could have a a special guest on and we were going to make this a bigger episode sadly it's not come to fruition so what it has meant is that in preparation for this i've not just listened to hello nasty i've listened to like five beastie boys albums back to back for the last week and a half i mean that sounds like my tuesday that's a lie i don't listen to beastie boys that much but you know can't can't complain with with five albums of of the b-boys oh i've enjoyed my time it's been a it's been a blast from the past i've beat the they were definitely a phase that i went through a defined phase that i went through in the mid to early 2000s so having having relived that was was beautiful lovely well welcome back listeners if you are returning for the beastie boys thanks for joining us if you're new to the pod welcome why don't you give us a shout out at AOGB Pod on Twitter or Instagram? AOGB, I forget this every time. AOGB Pod or AOGB Podcast? Podcast. AOGB Podcast. Thank you. Give us a shout out at AOGB Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a shout out and let us know what you think about Hello Nasty and the Beastie Boys in general. I will be unabashedly just gushing over this album i love the beastie boys i love hello nasty and uh, i can't wait to get into it so let's bloody rip it a new one rip it up and take the bandage off so when was the first time you ever heard of the beastie boys probably yeah it, it takes me back so the whole reason we're discussing beastie boys is a couple of weeks ago we discussed americana by the offspring which came out in 1998 as did hello nasty july 14th 1998 it was released and I saw the band in 2004 in Glasgow on the To The Five Butters tour, which was amazing. I'd, I didn't even know the band well enough to, to, to see them, to be honest. I, I still think back to that gig and think, I had no idea who these guys were before I saw them. You know, I think I'd heard Hello Nasty and I'd heard To The Five Butters and I was just so unprepared for the actual performance that was there. But we'll get into that. So really, I just remember the videos from Hello Nasty, like Intergalactic. Yeah. Three MCs and one DJ and Body Moving. 
Body Movin had a video, but it was actually to the Fat Boy Slim remix. Yeah, we were talking about that. I've I genuinely just thought it was I thought it was a Fat Boy Slim song that the Beastie Boys was like sampled into. Yeah. Not the other way around. Yeah. It wasn't Fat Boy Slim nah. remixing their work. I yeah, this is that was an eye opener for me, I'll be honest. At least from what I understand it was it was definitely his I assume he was approached for for the remix, etc. Uh, he was on that that version was on the CD single. The Fat Boy Slim remix has the same lyrics, but has but has differences in the instrumental. This remix features an in, interpolation. Oh my god! Oh yeah, that's got other things. Blah 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 blah. So I'm unclear as to who instigated what, but either way, that for a very long time, that was my understanding that. The Fat Boy Slim version was body moving, and it was only sort of in later years I actually went back to Hello Nasty and, and heard the original. And I appreciate both in their own way. Like the original is quite different. Fat Boy Slim definitely Fat Boy Slimmed it, mm-hmm. but it's also a very good version. So I, I appreciate both both songs. But then three MCs, one DJ. You've got the three guys: Adrock, MCA, Mike D, and a basement in New York and Mixmaster Mike sort of walks in, sets up the turntables and they just do like a sort of live performance it's, 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 it's just really cool and then like the penultimate intergalactic video where they're in Tokyo and there's like this joke, joking sort of Power Rangers-esque men in suits, monster robot battle and the guys are in like white sort of radioactive suits and helmets and goggles like um, we uh i don't think i i didn't do it but like certainly saw a few of my friends do that for like a halloween party okay all turned up like in the intergalactic suits oh, and stuff like sick, that yeah. and just like intergalactic was just like a eureka moment for me where i was like what is this <laughs> Like this, yeah. I've never heard anything like it before. But even taking it back further, like I remember videos for Sabotage. I remember videos for another song that I can't quite remember. And I've yet to find the video for it. But it was definitely the guys sort of in like a sepia tone, like washed out video. I remember them just being in a car, etc. But like, I suppose being lucky enough as... as a young boy to sort of have MTV and Kerrang and music channels around from quite a young age. Like I had quite a good exposure to that. And yeah, I've totally said on the podcast before, listen to me, I'm just gushing about these guys. Yeah. You're away with it. I'm loving it. Yeah. That I don't like music videos and, and like, I think they're overdone, but like certainly at, at this time, 1998, I mean, what I was, I was 12. Like I was young enough to be influenced by these videos mm-hmm. and it worked because here I am, not twelve years old, and fucking still in love with this album. I have never seen the Beastie Boys live, so I've never had that experience. But my first memory of them goes back to the early nineties, because my mum and dad, in one of the houses we we lived in, had Sky, so I had yeah. MTV in the early nineties. Yeah. And the Fight for Your Right video was yeah. still being played. I mean, it was from the mid-80s, but it was still being played, you know, five, six times a day alongside 
Run DMC and Aerosmith Walk This Way, which yeah. is credited as, as basically starting rap rock. It's nuts to think yeah. that. Like, rap rock, you know, it, it runs deep. There's so many ways it can go, and who started it was some washed-up hair rock band in Aerosmith. Because they were washed up at that time, I will say they were. They were they were teetering on on being done, and mm-hmm. they teamed up with the hottest ticket in in hip hop at the time, Run DMC, which the Beastie Boys have claimed was like their biggest influence was Run DMC. Sure, and you can I think you can hear that. Oh, you can't escape because it because the, the the pairing off of the vocals, I think it, it works a bit more. As I understand, Run DMC. I remember them just sort of being the two guys. But it was two guys and a DJ. It was, yeah, it was two guys. I, I mean, but, but for the rapping. So, like, you've got that third layer of the Beastie Boys where there's the three MCs. But, yeah, I do remember Beastie Boys. Uh, sorry, I do remember Run DMC and, and the two the two MCs, but, like, totally playing off of each other and, and, and working through the lines like that. So the, the break for them could have come just before Five Fear Right, before their first album. They got the chance to tour with Run DMC. Mm-hmm. And one of the dates was in, I think it was in Florida. They played, Run DMC played with Aerosmith. Pretty big. So on that day, you had on one stage at a baseball stadium, Run DMC, Aerosmith and the Beastie Boys. I'd, I'd, I would have enjoyed all, that. All performing together at once. Because apparently, yeah. and this is what I learned from the, the Beastie Boys documentary, was... Apparently, Youch would pick up a bass guitar and run around and try to go like back to back with with Joe from from Aerosmith, like trying to play along with him, and he was just like not having any of it. Like, who are these fucking yeah. who are these who are these sweaty kids thinking what they telling us what to do? So you're so right. I, I mean, I didn't even talk about fight, the videos for Fight for Right to Party. I did mention Sabotage. The I think I found the video that I was thinking about. You know, I was talking about the car and stuff like that. It was Sure Shot. Great song. My favourite album, just to get it out, out in the open, is the prior album, Ill Communication, to Hell on. So that was prior to Hell Nasty. Yeah. That's got most of my favourite songs on, alongside, obviously, Sabotage, Sure Shot, Get It Together, Root Down, Flute Loop, you know. Oh, man, Root Down is such a good song. So many, and like, so many, so many songs... Across all of the discography, I absolutely love. Yeah. But but I have if I had if I got pressured again, we'll, we'll, I'm probably going to ask this. There's no point in me asking this question of you because I'm guessing it'll be hell and nasty. But similar to an every time I die episode, if you had one album to take to a desert island, and it was a Beastie Boys album, which one would you pick? Yeah, it, it, it would probably be Hell and Nasty because I'm most familiar with that album, but. Even just mentioning Root Down, like take it back. I think it is it on Paul's Boutique where like Brass Monkey is oh, on that album as well. Great album, yeah. like <laughs> just every. I'm not saying every album is completely unskippable. There's, you know, I've, I've like yourself, I've tried to listen to the back catalogue in preparation for this as well, but yeah, it, it would be, it would probably be, Hello Nasty, just for the. It's got the bangers. It's got. I mean, Hello Nasty is like. I suppose in going back to it, like I'm, I'm surprised that I'm not surprised. I knew that stuff was there, but in listening to it now in this sort of modern concept, it's an album of two halves. 
Like, you've got the hip-hop side, you've got the rap side, where it is just balls-out Beastie Boys. But there's a couple instrumentals on this album as well that are just pretty, pretty out there. I think taking ourselves back to 1998 and the fact that you, you mentioned it earlier, the, the Fat Boy Slim. Fat Boy Slim was, like, chart royalty at that time in the in the late 90s. He was... The king of the top 40 hits. He was your, your Mark Ronson or your, your Ed Sheeran of the day, where everything he released, everything he touched, turned to gold. Good old Norman, eh? And to have them featuring on a track with him or to, to have worked on one of their tracks is superb. I get the album. I think it's a little bit... And I think the same could be said for pretty much all of the Beastie Boys albums. I love the instrumental, like lizard lounge jazz sort of interludes some mm-hmm. in in moderation sometimes i just want to yeah. skip to the hits yeah Be- no I, I i totally get what you're saying because you're there you're there for what is such an iconic sound between the three rappers and they play off each other just like name a better trio of vocalists or musicians or whatever that can not necessarily musicians but give me a better vocal dynamic than the beastie boys i mean some 41 tried pretty hard some 41 how dare you compare some 41 to the fucking beastie boys you couldn't tell by the tone oh, of my man, voice. i'm gonna rage quit this you couldn't tell by the tone of my voice how fucking sarcastic i was being there i am upset well, uh, well, good lord, man, good lord, the the sum forty one. You nearly had me there, man. Honestly, I was ready to desk flip this. Like, fuck it now. Uh, okay, <laughs> a genuine suggestion. Um, I don't know. Let's think. Thinking of a, a three piece. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to because it's the fucking Beastie Boys, right? Yeah, that, that there's nothing that I mean. I've I mentioned Rum DMC, but I don't think there's anything I could really like solidly compare them to other than themselves now i will caveat this with my my interest and my understanding and more so my exposure to hip-hop isn't vast yeah yeah right maybe maybe we should caveat that straight away we're not rappers i don't know a lot of rap um I don't know a lot of hip hop artists, etc. Like I will extend to the Beastie Boys, obviously DJ Format we've we've spoken about before. A little bit of Cypress Hill, Eminem and Dr. Dre, because absolutely no one could escape that in the in the nineties, two thousands. You know, I mean, thinking thinking rap artists that we could probably say we know more about is like Rage Against the Machine. Limp Bizkit. Oh, all the dead rappers just rolled over in their graves. <laughs> I mean, whether they, whether they like it or not, they're rap albums. Rock rap albums. Rap, rap rock. And that's what I would say Beastie Boys did so well because they started as a hardcore punk band in New York. They had rock roots from the very get-go. And you look at some of the samples they were using, their knowledge of music in the, you know, was vast and it was one of the reasons i think that they could piggyback on the whole sampling sort of thing because you know sampling was all about pre-recorded riffs and musical tones that were then being reused in other ways Uh, but they were doing it in their own way and it was like listening to remixes of 
your dad's albums sometimes. They were actually in that, <clears throat> excuse me, they were in that they were actually taken to court in 2003. Are you aware of this? I was aware there was a case and I'm not surprised if I'm being honest. Yeah, so it's it, it's a, it's described as a, as a landmark sampling decision. So the case was Newton versus Diamond. I'm assuming that's Mike Diamond, Mike D. In, in that case, a federal judge ruled that the band was not liable for sampling James Newton's choir in their track, Pass the Mic. The sample used is the six-second flute stab, Pass the Mic. Is that that? Oh, no, that's fucking... That's totally DJ format. Anyway, uh... I was thinking the uh, bongos of Brixton. (laughs) Brixton bongos from from, anyway. So the sample used is a six second flute stab. In short, Beastie Boys cleared the sample but obtained only the rights to use the sound recording and not the composition rights of the choir. Okay. Of of the song The Choir. In the decision, the judge found that when viewed in relation to Newton's composition as a whole, the portion is neither quantitatively nor qualitatively significant. Because the Beastie Boys use use of the sound recording was authorized, so it's almost as if this James Newton tried to pull a fast one. He was like, "Yeah, you can use the sample, but do you know what? You don't have copyright or ownership of the of how it was composed." I have no idea how that would work. Like, surely you're allowed to use it, and how it was composed doesn't come into it. But apparently, that's law. Anyway, this this seems to have been. As is quote a landmark case and seems to have been a bit of a set a bit of a precedent where sampling is allowed. Yeah, I understand that sampling is is something which can be used because it's it's remixing to another purpose. And there's, I've seen so many of those like Instagram reels of people who who are showing you, did you know this song was sampled? And uh, yeah. most of hip hop was born on a sampler. Like if. There's the story about the the first sort of I think it was I can't remember it was the Casio, they they whoever invented the sampler, the first recording that got used, is is never got credited for it, but yeah. it's just been used and used and used so much that it's just become ubiquitous. My favorite story is the 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 acid break. Is it called the acid break? You've heard it a million times. Oh yeah, it's drum and bass. Yeah, that sound of drum and bass. We've talked about that before. Is yeah. is a drummer from like the fifties, sixties? Yeah, is it not like a almost like an arm, like an arm, like an original R and B sort of like? Oh, it's a totally original song, and it's a it's a wee drum interlude yeah. in the middle of the song that if you snip down to like three seconds, and then put it on a sampler and just hit the button, and it just keeps playing it, and then and that's drum and it's bass. It's drum and bass. It just became a whole genre. Uh, the Amen Break, that's the name for the Amen Break. Or the Amen Break for our American listeners. Go back far enough and you start to hear the Beastie Boys sample themselves. So for the first time recently, you know, in, in this listening, I, in the Intergalactic where it's the, I think it's Ad-Rock, and it's like I'll meet the beak and it's just like that em- emphasised drop mm-hmm. and then it kicks back in. That is, that's either off of Paul's Boutique or Licence to Ill. I didn't, I didn't properly note down the song, but that exact same line is in an earlier song. So they started to like get self-referential and and, and sample themselves, which I think is, is pretty cool. So on the subject of sampling, I don't know if... I certainly hear a difference, but Hello Nasty is the first album with Mixmaster Mike. 
Okay. So they've used DJs pre for previously for 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 other albums, but Hello Nasty is the first collaboration with Mixmaster Mike where they sort of brought him on board as a member and I think I think you can sort of tell the difference. That's not to shit on previous DJs. <laughs> but Hello Nasty is definitely something special and I think it's potentially with the inclusion of Mixmaster Mike that that we get that magic. I mean, I'm just having a look now just to see if I can get some information on the samples that I used because it's it, obviously they're just everywhere. And there's a great website I'm going to recommend any of our listeners take a look at. It's www.whosampled.com. And you can literally just put an artist in and look for the songs and just find it. So that I mentioned Flute Loop there earlier. That did not come through. It's not going to come do. That's by the Blues Project called Flute Thing. Oh, yeah, but like you said, everything... Everything is a sample, like these songs, unless it's the the, the members themselves playing the instruments. Mm-hmm. Like it's all built on samples and breaks and stuff. Root down. That's a that's a song originally by Jimmy Smith from nineteen seventy two. Yeah, there's loads of them, and it's you could just go on this website and just look for days because it just keeps on going. Um, how how deep it goes and you know look at their earlier stuff and you know they wrote a lot of that themselves i think hello nasty was their last co-produced album like that was the last album that got a co-producer credit so whoever they got in for the the producing work just did such a good job mario caldato jr a brazilian producer and looking through his work he's done a lot of beastie boy stuff like he did most of Beastie Boys. He did Paul's Boutique, well, engineering and mixing. He did Check Your Head, Ill Communication, again, co produced. Did a Beastie Boys EP, or that EP, Aglo E Olio. Angelo Jolio. That one's like a, that's their rock album. I'm pretty sure it's right. all just tapes from back in the early 80s that they've either redone or had cleaned up. Right. I mean, that's that's one thing I don't know a lot about when it comes to the Beastie Boys, is their punk roots, like the band that existed before the Beastie Boys. So before the Beastie Boys, the Beastie Boys' first lineup featured Kate Schellenbach, and as revealed in the same documentary, she was kicked out for being a girl. Really? Yeah. Well, we can talk about that. Because, the yeah, let's okay keep all right. So I've I've got I've got a quote here because it is from that because yeah that, we're gonna talk we need to mention that some of the lyrics haven't don't hold up to twenty twenty two standards. They shouldn't even have held up in the eighties or the nineties. Like oh my god! So one one thing I wanted to say about the Beastie Boys and I and I think I covered it on the DJ format episode is I don't particularly care for gangster rap right i appreciate the art form of rap music and hip-hop but see when it's gangster rap and it's a song about how much money you've made or how many bitches you've fucked or what car you drive or how many drugs you've sold and all that shit i don't don't care i do not care like that is just nothing that appeals to me yeah agreed so one thing that I sort of do love about the Beastie Boys 
is that they are just more of just a straight rap hip hop group, right? Like they, are, they they do just rap about other things. It's not all about money and cars and bitches and, and, and drugs and all that sort of stuff. Or, you know, it's, I don't think there's a gangster element to Beastie Boys. They might be insulted by that, but like, I don't think well, there's that there. That's, Until, that's why they removed the girl from the group because it didn't fit into their tough guy rapper identity they were trying to go for. Yeah, and I'm... Well, this is the thing. So then going back over the earlier albums, as you just said, some of the lyrics do not fucking hold up well at all. But you said this was addressed in in the documentary. Yeah, this documentary, I think it's... Is it called The Beastie Boys Story? It's on available on Apple TV or whatever. Yep. You know what? They're, they're give, currently giving away that subscriptions to that. Just get it one month three months just to watch this documentary there's fuck all else on there i was uh i was gonna try and source it i just didn't have the time i've sourced it if you would like a copy sure. so the thing they, they do talk about firstly they talk about how kate was removed from the band their their line was it was decided at some point that we had to kick kate out of the band because she didn't fit into our tough guy rapper identity how fucked up is that horovitz said when Beastie Boys began, the majority of our friends were girls, like the coolest girls, and it's really embarrassing to think that we let them down. It was shitty the way it all went down. And he later tells a story about seeing Schellenbach in a deli a few years later and not saying hi. I guess I didn't say hi because I was embarrassed about how much I'd changed. How much he had changed and recognised the mistake they had made. Yeah, he was embarrassed about the decision and, and the way that it all got yeah. done. But then later in the, the documentary, they talk about they when they wrote the lyrics, where their headspace was, and that they admit, effectively they admit that these were not good lyrics for the time. You know, you listened to, what was the... the, the Jimmy Page reference one that you, you mentioned. Right, so yeah, I've, I've got it here. I sent this to you yesterday. So I'm listening to, I think this must have been in Paul's Boutique. It's the song New Style. And it's, uh, if I played, if I played guitar, I'd be Jimmy Page. The girlies I like are underage. Like, oh. fucking hell. As soon as I heard that man, I was like, oh man. And then a song. You've, you've got the song called Girls, right? And that is, so the line there, or some of the lines there is, also asked her out and she said no, and she said no way, I sure put a, I, sh- pro- I should have probably guessed they're gay. Yeah, because a girl, because if a girl doesn't want to go out with you, she's gay, right? Clearly, obviously, yeah. Why, why wouldn't? Obviously you're a lesbian if you don't want to go out with yeah, me. Yeah, that's, that's fucking pure hell. incel energy right there. Then there's an entire sort of paragraph of girls do the dishes, girls clean up my room, girls do the laundry, girls all in the bathroom, girls, that's all I really want is girls. Two at a time, I want girls. Like, these are the lyrics of a horny, like, teenage dickhead. And like, it's it's pretty, pretty poor. And I was honestly disappointed to hear that stuff. Yeah, it's happened. And that was 1989. So that doesn't excuse the fact of what the, the lyrics are. But again, context is king. They're in a rap group. They're trying to impress other rappers who are writing similar songs. They're trying to fit in. They're white. Let's let's. I think we need to address that they are white, and they're playing music that was predominantly accepted in black communities. 
It was Girls was on the nineteen eighty six license to ill. Wow. So, so I think they were, they were trying to to fit in to certain criteria, and they've made some missteps. Sure. It's easy to skip these songs, and I would take those songs as in, in a vacuum and and ignore them if you can. Yeah, because what I don't remember from you know some of the singles we've mentioned, irrespective of Hello Nasty, but like take it back to Brass Monkey. I mentioned Brass Monkey earlier because like I totally had a resurgence of the Beastie Boys in my late teens, early twenties, where you turn up at a house party and Brass Monkey was playing, or like you know a lot of like of the Beastie Boys hits were like within the friend circles, like Gaz, who we had on the Rage Against the Machine episode. Gaz could just have easily been on this episode, I think. I'm speaking now for you, Gary. I don't know if you're ever going to hear this, but I'm pretty confident we were all massive Beastie Boys fans. And, you know, stuff like that was featured at these sort of parties. And I just don't remember, and it's about to say in my defence, but that's bullshit. At the time, I might not have been aware or been... I've acknowledged lyrics like that at the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in sort of listening back recently, that very much in the earlier material, I was like, ooh, there's some, some lines here that haven't aged well. But I think take it from Hello Nasty and they're far more mature group. Yes, I'd agree. They're probably married with kids by this point. They probably, you know, this 1998 predates the, the doco by quite a long time. But I think they, they probably know where they're at and and how best to sort of conduct themselves it's one of the best i mean if you've gone through the discography of the beastie boys i would say hello nasty feels like to that point the most well put together beastie boys album i think it's the the most like well balanced for sound well just really well made and really accessible i think if there was going to be if there was ever someone that I met who'd never heard the Beastie Boys in their life or knew who they were and they're like, I just don't know where to start. There's just so much. I would mm. probably put Hello Nasty in front of them and explain, here we go, start in the middle. I know it's a, I know it's an odd decision to make, but if you start here, you will get a great cross-section of everything they did and work your way, I would say work your way backwards rather than forwards from there go back album by album and you can ease yourself into the earlier stuff, which as it was earlier, sounded a little rougher around the edges. I think that the drums on License to Ill are exceptionally, uh, they've, um, they've, they've got a, a really quite honking reverb on them, if I'm being honest. But that was the style at the time. I think, I absolutely appreciate where you're coming from on that. I don't know. I, I would maybe... I've suggested ill communication, which for your first Beastie Boys album, because you've got Sure Shot, you've got Root Down, you've got Sabotage, right, as well as the rest of that album, and it comes back to what I sort of said about the instrumentals or the non-rappier moments of Hello Nasty. It, it correct me if I'm wrong, but I think most, I think everyone has like their own song, each. Each rapper, MCA, Ad-Rock, Mike D, they've all sort of got their own solo song on Hello Nasty. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I get you. And to me, that's just more their sort of individual expression 
in music without it being like a Beastie Boys track. It's still a Beastie Boys track because I'm sure all three people are contrib- contributing to the music, but there's definitely a couple songs where it's only like one lead vocalist. Yeah. And that stuff can sort of put you out a little bit. If you're there, like like we said before, if you're there for the hits, if you're there for the bangers, if you're there for like the just the non-stop like party rap anthems, mm. those instrumental or more musical moments are are going to throw you out. Yeah, they're going to take you out of the zone. But then I would say that Ill Communication track two, Tough Guy, is a punk rock song. It's 57 second hardcore punk. And I would... Is that on... That, sorry, that's on Ill Communication? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, you're, go, you're, you're going to hear that. But then you're also going to hear a little bit of that on Hello Nasty. And that's what I mean. And, but I, I would say on Hello Nasty, it's much more accessible. And I think I'm, I'm coming from an accessibility sort of route here. And I think it gives you a, a good picture of it. I would probably say the other option would probably be Paul's Boutique, as I think that doesn't have any of the really, really hardcore elements that Ill Communication has. But again, it has some of their, I don't know, some of their, it's probably got the best story behind it. It's probably got the best legacy of all of their albums. Because that was the one that really propelled them into stardom. They'd, they'd obviously hit a banger with, with Ill Communicate, uh, License to Ill. And then the follow up, Paul's Boutique, just got absolutely. Yeah, it was a bit of a flop, wasn't it? Yeah, it got, well, it went everywhere. I think it came out, Paul's Boutique was commercially weaker, but got sort of cult status, is what I read. Yeah, I suppose it's a cult status thing. I've, I've always just considered it as just such a mad story that it's just worthy of. You know, it was critically acclaimed, but it didn't do so well in the in the charts. But that, I think in this case, I think the critics got it right. That it was good. Yes. Well, fair play. So, Hello Nasty, on that, released in Capital, Capital Records, sold 681,000 copies in its first week. It went straight to number one on the Billboard 200. Just to put that in context... Some of the bands we've spoken about recently, mm-hmm. I don't think they've even sold that many albums in their entirety. Yeah, sorry, um, Chimera. Thank you, you knew who I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, 681,000 copies. They won two Grammys. In a week. In a, in a week. They won two Grammys, Best Alternative Music Album and Best Rap Performance by a duo or group for Intergalactic, I think the year later they won the Grammy for the best video for Intergalactic. Oh, did they? Oh, yeah. that's interesting. So, let me, let me, let me triply, triply double, let me check that. Intergalactic Planetary. At what age Great did song. you realise that the sample at the beginning is just Intergalactic Planetary Planetary? Yeah. Intergalactic Planetary Planetary Intergalactic. I was today years old. No way! <laughs> I've never thought of it, though. I've never thought of it. Let me, oh, I just need to... Am I wrong? Yeah, it's intergalactic planetary, planetary intergalactic. That's the sample at the very beginning. I've never noticed it. And they, I, I was maybe, like... It, t- it took me a couple of years. Like I didn't, I didn't get that at 12 years old. It, it took me a while to understand that I was intergalactic, planetary, planetary, intergalactic. Fuck, I love the Beastie Boys. <laughs> They're a very rich band, rich, rich in heritage, and and they they again, I've I've already said it. Their knowledge 
of music, not just hip hop, but just music as a whole is really, really, you know, really something else because they can take like from the one that never escapes me is the intro to rhyming and stealing is it is Led Zeppelin. And there's a band, you know, a bunch of young kids in the mid eighties listening to Led Zeppelin, which was a band, which, you know, was, would, would have already have been now that's for older men. That's for the older blokes. And the dad, that was already dad rock by that point, you know, it just boggles my mind a little bit. So I'm looking at the set list for when I saw the beastie boys, 4th of December, 2004, SECC Glasgow, pre, pre-hydro. This was yeah, SECC, yeah, been, yeah. Hall, Hall 4. That's the big one, isn't it? Yeah, the Echo Chamber. December 4th, 2000, 2004. Now, if I remember correctly, I, I completely missed this gig. I, I didn't get tickets for it. I wasn't supposed to go. I had no idea it was happening. And then my school friend at the time, who we were both working uh, in the shopping centre of Livingston and we were both working late one night and he was like, hey man, I've got a spare ticket. Do you want to come to this? I think I went around to see him. It was quiet. I was like, oh fuck it, I'm going to go see my mate. Went around to see him. We had a bit of a chat. He's like, I've got a spare ticket. Do you want to come? And I was like, fuck yes, I want to come. So absolute chance encounter that I got to go to this show. But I'm just looking at the set list now. So, well, before that, the thing that, the, the reason I'm like, I just did not, I was not prepared for that gig was, well, one, didn't know I was going until, you know, days before it happened. And two, they just, I just had, I was just so unaware of their back catalogue at the time. So 2004, like, I hadn't gone mental, I hadn't downloaded the entire Beastie Boys back catalogue and stuff like that. Uh, my brother had Hello Nasty and I stole that. And oh, that another was, one that you stole your brother. Yeah, and that was like, that was like my... That was I had that and that was mine. That was my that was my Beastie Boys record that I would listen to. I didn't really go that far into it until till later on with Spotify and stuff like that. Oh, I've got a funny story about Two of the Five Burrows as well, which I think I've already told. But the Beastie Boys set list, I'm, I'm not seeing who supported. I don't know who supported. They played twenty four songs. It's a decent set that. They started with uh, the Mixmaster Mike intro, Super Disco Breaking, Root Down, Sure Shot, Triple Trouble. Unite all lifestyle, like you know, pass the mic, shake your rump, lighting up. Something's got to give. An open letter to NYC, body moving. Three MCs, one DJ, brass monkey. Check it out. Like intergalactic gratitude sabotage. So what I remember from the gig at some point in the middle, there was a a, a a stage change. So like the guys go off stage, the stage rotates. And it's like a backline. Wow. And it's, you know, the, it's it's the three guys with, with some, some touring musicians. And they just like had a jam. Like it was kind of set up like a tiki den, like a tiki bar. Okay. Like sort of beach, you know, you've, you've got the, whatever those wooden poles are. And you've got the whatever vibe and you've got the, the flower strings and stuff like that. And the lights. And they just jammed for like... 15 20 minutes and i had never heard that style of beastie boys music before i had no idea what was going on so is that from if you have you listened to the instrumental album they created sounds from way out no okay so it was a compilation album it was released in between 
Ill Communication and Hello Nasty, I believe. And it's basically a compilation of all those... I call it like Lizard Lounge cocktail bar kind of backing tracks. Mm -hmm. All just compiled on one. And it sort of like predates lo-fi effectively. Yeah. It's just got that, you know, you've got that that sort of record crackle in the background, which is like, it's almost like reminiscent of like a crackling warm fire. But it's just that dust on a on a vinyl player. And it's just got beats and something just to put on in the background. You put it on really quiet and low. Just takes the silence, takes the edge off if you're on your own in a room. Beautiful. Something that I had discovered by accident. Um, we, we talk a lot about how we acquired our music. Um, and this is predates, <laughs> this predates Spotify. Um, but I just, I used to go onto whether it would be whatever website or search engine you could search for these things and I just searched for Beastie Boys discography. Sure. And I used to do that with lots of other bands as well, but I remember specifically wanting their discography and just getting this absolute wild collection from left, right. At the point, I think I might have only been really aware of maybe five or six Beastie Boys songs in total meant to get seven or eight albums worth Yeah. in one go on my iPod was just mind-blowing yeah it's quite a lot uh, yeah they this is what i mean it's they're um daunting would, would that be a word it can yeah i sort of see where you're coming from when you say like you know recommend hello nasty or, or maybe even ill communication as like a starting point and then feel yourself out from there because there's there's loads of music to go over so i think looking at the set list i've i've identified this the break in the in the gig where they went instrumental because I'm looking at these names I'm looking at um, Sabrosa lighting up something's got to give and I'm like oh, I'm not I'm not sure I recognise those songs I've just given them a quick play they're absolutely all instrumentals and like you're saying it's almost lo-fi like there's bongos and there's wah pedals and it's just very very super chill so they took that that sort of break into the into the gig and sort of did this fucking amazing instrumental and then came back with an open letter to NYC, Body Moving, Paul Revere, you know, and things just, just, just went from there. So that, it still stands as like, I was, I remember coming out like so pumped from the gig that I even managed to like barter a, a, a looky looky guy. Is that racist? Looky looky. A whaty whaty guy? Looky looky. A what? You know the guys at the, the side that always like sell the knockoff t-shirts? I didn't realise they had a name. In Scotland, we call them Looky Lookies, but I'm pretty sure it's racist. Why Why would it be called Looky Looky? What is that reference? I think it references, like, sort of rip-off merchants. You know, if you're going through some form of market and they're like, Looky Looky at this. I'm not doing it. Oh, accent. okay. I'm not doing it. Don't do accent. the accent. Please don't do the accent. I think, I think it has racist connotations, but we just call them Looky Looky guys. Because they weren't inside. They weren't selling the merch inside. They weren't part of the merch yeah. stand. You know, they're the guys that are outside with like the bot, like just the box of Fruit of the Loom teas that they've printed, but it was like a tour team. Yeah, I know the ones. I know that. I know the exact ones that you mean. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty sure I okay. got them down from. What do they call them? They were just—they're not tout, not quite touts. Nah, just... because the touts were the bastards that inflated the price of tickets. Yes. These were these were gentlemen trying to make a living by some other means with perhaps unofficial <laughs> merchandise, and. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure. Like I want to say, I've got the guy down from twenty quid to a fiver. It was probably a tenner to a fiver, but bought a t-shirt on my way out, 
And and yeah, then then drove home just absolutely mind blown that I saw the Beastie Boys. And I'll just forever be thankful that I had that chance. Wonderful. Sounds like it was quite the uh, left quite the impression. Well, it just they just always have like I think I know. I mean, don't get me wrong, I can't just rattle it off off the top of my brain, off the top of my dome. But play Intergalactic, and I know just about every word. I'm sure there's people out there that know every word to every Beastie Boys song. But like, there's just such. As soon as I heard, as soon as I started listening to this album and I put on Super Disco Breaking, I was just like, fucking yes. Like, my wife is, isn't particularly familiar with the Beastie Boys. She fucking is now, because I've just been like playing this in everyone's face for the last week. I have a story about when I when I first met my my wife. Uh, I was driving. God, the, we're such thirty somethings. The M eight, and one of the albums that I used to just have in the car was just a Beastie. So do you remember? Right. So this is this is going to be showing. This is going to show our age. Take us back. So you can get a you, you can get a CD. Okay. You can, so a CD. You could. So which will hold days. 80 minutes of, of music. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, did you have the double-sided one? No, 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 no. Or you could put MP3s onto it as a data disc. Oh, yeah. 650, 750 megabytes. Mm-hmm. There's a fucking Beastie Boys discography right there, son. Mm-hmm. So I used to have a CD player in my car. Didn't have an aux. So I oh, would just have that's, this. That's aux. <laughs> it was because the previous <laughs> car did but the next one didn't but yeah I just used to have CDs and blank CDs well they went blank but then just smashed them in the car there we go a Beastie Boys discography and eventually my wife had to say can we stop listening to the Beastie Boys now oh so ungrateful so yeah I still married her well good on you mate so one of the uh, so I think the story I referenced earlier with to the five boroughs I think I was talking about this before, but in my naivety, I went to my local HMV. That wasn't me being naive, that was just what you did in 2004. But what I did was, I bought an album. I have talked about this, can you remember the album I bought? I'm pretty Mm, sure I refer to it as I should. I refer to it as Hot Fuzz, but that's a movie. So it's a hot garbage no, it's it was Hot Fuss by the Killers. It was Hot Fuss by the Killers. So I bought Hot Fuss and took it back and I was like, oh, this is fucking lame. This is so lame. What <laughs> I'm Mr. Brightside. Yeah, exactly. I bought it from Mr. Brightside. And do you know what? I've probably danced that song every year since it came out because we all have. But, you know, I remember being in the shop and I'm looking at Hot Fuss and I'm looking at to the five boroughs and I didn't have enough for both so for some reason I had a moment of weakness and I went for hot fuss maybe because it was cool do you know what I mean like I was just like oh yeah hot fuss is hot right now fucking I'll get the killers I like it was never cool it was never ever they were cool cool for five minutes and don't you dare say it they weren't you you liked them too the copy of hot fuss I got was not from Napster nor from a torrent I got a free voucher to download it from HMV's website did you listen to it once Right, there you go. Because you had to listen to it on like their proprietary player. You couldn't Ooh. get the MP3 files. It was such a shitty... It was. I got it for free, so I got to listen to the album for free. But basically, you had to stream it from their website back in 
2003 or whenever it was it came out and it's ass it was it was like streaming in the early 2000s was no there's no wonder everyone was just like that'll never work because it wouldn't yeah no we just didn't have the bandwidth and that's got a multiple meaning anyway the um so there i am and it's maybe a couple of days after buying it and i'm like this sucks i wish i bought the beastie boys this sucks so much so did you take I, it back i took it back to hm you took it back i took it back and i was just like look i'm really sorry but like can i just exchange this and they were like no <laughs> Is it? Well, they're like, oh, what? What's wrong with it? Like, is it broken? Like, is it scratched? Is it damaged? Does it not play? And I was like, I, I don't know why I didn't try and bullshit them. Because probably because I don't know. You were trying to impress the hot goth girl that worked at HMV. No, there was always one. There was always one. No, actually, I think Livingston HMV mostly had dudes. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm not gonna argue. Well, you said hot goth girl at HMV. And my mind immediately thought of a guy, because it was mostly dudes that worked there. So he's judging you. I don't. He's remember judging that. you, and he's yeah, been like, I don't remember there being a hot goth chick working it. Anyway, so yeah, I was just like, no, I, they were like, oh yeah, is it scratched? Is it damaged? Like, what's wrong with it? And I was like, I just, just I just don't like it. <laughs> I just, I, can I just like, I know, I know you're not. And they're like, we're not supposed to return it if it's fine. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to return it. I just want to exchange it for to the five boroughs and they were like mm. and eventually the manager's like yeah just, just do it so there you go I exchanged hot fuss not hot fuzz I exchanged hot fuss for Beastie Boys to the five boroughs and I've never listened voluntarily listened to what's that band called? The Killers again thank you well have I got a surprise for you Keith oh my god we're here tonight week. next next week on a live <laughs> Oh my god, next week we're going to... Have we got a guest? Brandon Flowers. No. Oh my god. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, that was that was a, a band that came and went. Oh, I wish they did uh, a little bit quicker. Similarly, like maybe a couple of years after, I was again lucky enough to go see the big in, Billy Connolly, at wow. the Armadillo, which, again, holy crap, I can't believe I've physically seen Billy Connolly. But... He made he ripped one into the the killers where he came on stage and he was like, "Oh, can you believe we sold out? I can't believe I sold out." However many dates he was doing, uh, and the tickets went on sale at the same time as the killers. The killers are the killers are playing the same night, but like in SECC. So in the armadillo you had Billy Connolly, and in SECC you had Thingy, and he just was like fucking tearing into them like fucking dancer numpties and all this sort of stuff and he was like I crashed the website no you <laughs> like, which apparently did like apparently it was ticket sales for Billy Connolly that blew yeah. out the ATC website or Ticketmaster at the time brilliant and not not the fucking killers get that up you yeah fuck them uh, <laughs> but saying fuck them even though they didn't write lyrics about liking underage girls and you know all all the stuff we've just decried of the, the 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 fault of the Beastie Boys, but anyway, yeah, they, it's I don't know. It's very refreshing. I've like I say, I've not seen the documentary. Not refreshing. Refreshing is the wrong word to use there. It's perhaps comforting to know that they have acknowledged that themselves. 
yeah, I would I would highly recommend everyone goes and watches it because it is really eye opening. It's really entertainingly done. It's done as like a TED Talk style thing. It's it's the the surviving members, uh, Adam and Mike. Yep, I forgot that right. Yeah, well, MCA passed away due to throat cancer. Yeah, it's Adam Yatch. So two thousand twelve. So it's it, and they talk about him a lot, and it, it seems like a really it's like a live sort of documentary that they're doing and they keep switching back to sort of footage and things it's really interestingly uh, really interesting really well done and totally totally worth the free subscription to apple tv so i think we, we were talking just before the the we started recording about adam yoch yosh yoch mca passed away in 2012 it was in his will and testament that his music not be included in any advertising. That's so cool. That's so good of him to do that. And then when you go back through the when you go back through the songs, like that's not just a one-off thing he did at the end. Like he was he was staunchly against advertising or having his music used in advertising because it's in like there's a line uh, I won't say myself for no TV ads. Can't remember the song. Probably should have wrote that down. Couldn't even tell you the album. But there's more lyrics along those lines where he is it's just prevalent in his lyrics that the guy's against advertising, and I'm against advertising, so I feel like we're the same person. You got a, you got a connection there. Yeah, absolutely. I remember... Do you remember the... It was a, it was a Honda advert, and it, all the parts were were like broken up. And it goes through a is it is it called a, a rude Glyphberg sort of thing where one part knocks into the other and knocks into the other, and it was all parts of like a Honda, and then eventually it knocks on the stereo, and it plays the intro to the Sugar Hill Gang, Rapper's Delight. Okay, which you know you know that song no, because I know the they. Song. I'm not familiar with this ad though. Uh, it was and and then eventually. It's a Honda, you know, this this Honda turns around. It's a really cool advert, but it's interesting. They've used the sample. It's as if the people who made the advert were like, we wish we could use a Beastie Boys song, but we'll just use the song that they completely reused for a song on To The Five Burrows. Right. Ah, the, the name of the song literally escapes me. The minute I knew it would happen, the second I start talking about it, there's a song on To The Five Burrows, which uses the Sugar Hill Gang. Yeah, it's Triple Trouble. Yeah, yeah. And here's the argument that could be made on sampling because it is just the musical intro that gets used. It's very short. Which song did the Honda guys use? Did they use the original or did they use the Beastie Boys? Don't know. Well, did Don't the know. Sugar Hill Gang use the original or did they write that? Do you know what I mean? Oh, well, let, let, let's, ask, let's ask who sampled. So it was the Sugar Hill Gang? It was sampled in or from sample from good times by chic yeah and here comes that sound again by love deluxe with hawkshaw's discophonia god that's some great names back in the day and it has been it has been resampled approximately 279 times apparently yeah i was gonna say it's like that yeah. 
the um, just just a little bit to note because this is something I read on on Wikipedia many years ago when I was, you know, probably rediscovering Hal and Nasty and, and finding out more about it. The uh, are you familiar with the part at the end of Intergalactic where it's um, it's a different rapper and it's like I go by the name of Kid Ad Rock, sorry King Ad Rock Rock. I'm super educated. I'm smarter than Spock. Spock. You ever tell me you will agree? Ain't no bother like the K R D D. Yeah, I know that bit. Yeah, you know that bit where and it's the guy's like, you know what I mean with the echo, man. I'm telling you, like that is a rapper by the name of Bismarcky. Okay. Now, I'm not familiar with Bismarcky at all. Couldn't couldn't tell you any of his songs. Okay. But you have seen Bismarcky. Potentially, most people listening to this have seen Biz that. The man, Bismarcky. How how would I know him? What would I know him from without giving away? He has a cameo in a movie that was a very f- popular franchise when we were young. And now I've got the killers back in my head. When we were young. No, he, on, so he, he, does, he does a cameo in, in a movie. Go on then. Go on. Yeah, you'll never, you'll never get it. Break the tension. Right. Men in Black 2. Uh-huh. Will Smith goes to the post office to retrieve K or J, whoever it is, Tommy Lee Jones. K. Yeah. Right, he goes to retrieve Tommy Lee Jones. Will Smith starts talking to one of the postal workers and he replies by beatboxing. The postal worker does. The postal worker just starts... <laughs> Sounds like fucking Jonathan Davis, but like he just starts replying and like a really heavy. It's supposed to be beatboxing, right? Do you know the scene I'm talking about? And then like you know, Tommy Lee Jones is like, "What the fuck?" Like, because no <laughs> he's had his memory wiped at that point. Yeah, so has no <laughs> idea who the aliens are. Does this, does this seem familiar to you at all? I'm gonna be gonna be honest. Uh, I'm not familiar with Men in Black Two. Wow. I I I only like Men in Black One. I may have seen Men in Black Two once. Just to see it and never watched it again. But you've still seen it. I've never seen Men in Black 3 because I refused no. to go to see it. And then there was that one that they released a few Recently. years ago. Yeah. Within within the last... Either. Yeah, fuck that. Fuck that. That's just milking it. Milking it. So Biz Markey is the man doing the beatbox and he's the, he's the actor. He's, he's, that's his cameo. He's the sort of alien in the post office. And he apparently his language is supposed to be similar to beatboxing. So that just sort of made me laugh that like, I know that movie, I'm familiar with that scene, I'm familiar with, Bismarcky's featured on a lot of parts of, a lot, a lot of Beastie Boy albums. Okay, yeah, yeah, I've just done a quick quick search up on the, um, on an image of him, and yeah, okay. So he's done a lot of work with the Beastie Boys where he's on Check Your Head, Ill Communication, Hello Nasty, and The Sounds of Silence, which is their, their greatest hits from 99. So... Yeah, I just I just thought that was funny that I'm like, I've I've could never have put the two of them together. Like I had no, you know, how could you? Like they're two completely different things. But here's this guy on the tail end of a track that I absolutely love, and turns out that was just a little cameo in a film that I had seen him in. So puts a puts a face to the name, really. That's cool. That's cool that he's you know he gets gets in in things like that and to, to sort of bridge the gap between film and stuff. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2021 at the age of 57 wow that's young totally type 2 diabetes brutal bummer dude 
Wow. Yeah, and I was just while we're speaking of famous deaths, Shane Warne. That was a. Yeah. I, I was surprised. He was only what fifty-two. Fifty-seven, I believe. Yeah, another just a heart attack. But did you hear what caused the heart attack? Well, he had a Vegemite sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what they call it? Now you're looking at me like, oh, we're not talking about the same thing. We are not talking about the same thing at all. Allegedly, he may have had some company at the time and the encounter may have been fueled by a substance. And look at this way. Guy probably went with a smile on his face. So that's not what I've read at Well, all. no, that's obviously not out in the public. I've, I've I've read something much more. He wasn't feeling very good. He went back to his room. He had a Vegemite sandwich, and you know people had to come and help him. I you know again I might be reading the uh, the press release version of it. Shall we say? Let's go with that. Yeah, brilliant. Well, I mean, either way, he died happy. Well, wouldn't you be dying happy if you had a Vegemite sandwich as well? <laughs> Vegemite on toast, mate. Well, I've got. I mean, thank you for bringing Beastie Boys to the pod, man, because they, you know, they are such a such an influential act that spanned effectively so many generate two generations of artists. They've had influences from left, right, and center. Very difficult to pick a band that we also listen to that weren't in some way influenced by the Beastie Boys. So I think it's been a, a good opportunity to to really dig through the the archive and, and find what they what they did and, and you know it's given me a good opportunity to go through the discography once more and really really take them in. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, totally man. I mean to say we we this is a podcast where we discuss the music we found and loved growing up. Like I found the Beastie Boys and they have influenced me so much over the years like i have a weird obsession with Krispy cream because of these guys like there's the line in three mcs and one dj fresh like a box of Krispy creams sweet and sour like a tangerine fresh like a box of Krispy creams like and like, i had no idea what a Krispy cream was when i was fucking 12 but when they came to the uk and i was just like oh my god they're donuts and they're delicious i love Krispy cream like that's the Beastie Boys. The Beastie Boys have done that. Like they influenced me heavily when I was younger. I'm sure there's more I'd like to talk about on how much they influenced me. But, you know, that's just that's just sort of one thing I can remember. But like I was just looking at the um MCA's it, you know, the, the the part of the the wiki page about his death and you're talking about like you you're you're talking about like influences and stuff like that. You've got Russell Simmons from Def Jam Records talking about uh MCA Ben Stiller, Jeff Amit from Pearl Jam, Tom York from Radiohead, and Eminem are you know are speaking up about how much this guy was, you know, someone you like to be around, a gentleman, you know, incredibly sweet and the most sensitive artist, like just an all round great guy and amazing talent. And it's it's sad because it's his death ended the Beastie Boys like they couldn't continue without them the, the three the Beastie Boys was Mike D Ad Rock 
in MCA. And that was the right decision to make as well. Absolutely was. It, it wouldn't have been the same without. But it's 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 even more sad because not only have we lost this man, this this creative influence, but we've then gone on to lost essentially the, the, the other two artists as well because they're they're no longer creating as the Beastie Boys anymore. But by all means, the Beastie Boys essentially ended at that point. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, it's um, I was really sad when Adam passed away. You know, I, I remember it because no one knew. Like it wasn't a thing. Like it, they didn't. I think he was originally diagnosed with cancer. And yeah, two thousand nine, he was diagnosed with cancer, and this delayed the release of Hot Sauce Committee Part Two. But then by two thousand, yeah. never listened to that. I've, I don't think I've listened to anything after the to the Five Boroughs. I gave Hot Sauce Committee. Uh, I've, I've listened to it a, f- a few times I, I want to say reception on that was mixed mm-hmm. but Christ if if one third of your band is going through cancer at the time then that's maybe going to have an effect definitely but yeah I, I wouldn't have said it was bad it's the probably the one I'm least familiar with but still pretty good purely because it's the Beastie Boys and and yeah of course we, we finally lost them on, on the 4th of May 2012 so that was the day hip hop died. That's a sad one. It is a sad one. Totally, man. But I will, I will forever have the Beastie Boys in my soundtrack. Like I will always come back to them at some point. They'll always be put into a playlist. You know, it might I might not listen to an album now for a while, but mm-hmm. I will forever reference their music because I just think, perhaps irrespective of some of the. The, the the lyrical content we, we recently discussed, I still think they're amazing and I still think they're the they were such there, there wasn't quite another Beastie Boys out there at the time, that's for sure. That's true. I think that's there's a there's a huge Beastie Boys shaped hole in the uh in the world of hip hop. I think we talked about person between us ourselves as well. We talked a little bit about to the five boroughs and it's it's almost kind of dark yeah i'd I'd give it a spin just this morning just on my walk to work and i thought you know if i'm going to be talking about them today let's let's just verse myself on an album that i used to think quite highly of and after listening to hello nasty paul's boutique and ill communication basically non-stop for a week and a half going to the five boroughs was it was a bit of a it's a bit of a drag, a bit of a letdown. Yeah, I think it's got its moments. Don't get me wrong; it's it's got its it's got its highs, but it's really the the lyrics are very planted in two thousand and three, two thousand four, that whole Rock Against Bush era and stuff. Yeah, I think it just shows how influenced they were because to the five brothers, it's it's obvious from the name of the title. You've got you've got an open letter to NYC you know a lot of it is about new york and how impacted they must have been as individuals after 9 11 mm-hmm. and how just absolutely fed up they were with the bush administration and wars in the middle east etc like this stuff is openly talked about on the album so yeah it's not there's the odd exceptions and, and they sort of came out as singles you know you've got uh check 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 it out and the track we mentioned earlier, Triple Trouble, they're perhaps some of your funner, funner songs. But yeah, no, I totally get the vibe that like it's a much, 
I don't know if darker is the right way to put it, but maybe it's just not as fun as previous albums. Fun, yeah, there, there we go. It's devoid of fun. Devoid is a bit harsh, but yeah, it's but, yeah it's in in its lacking. moments, and it's lacking in it. And again, I I think that's one of the things I enjoy about listening to Beastie Boys is it, they are less, they are a very fun band to listen to. You can put them on and just brighten your day up, give you you know get your foot tapping, get your head bopping. Yeah, and you know when they're just talking irreverent songs. Whether you're listening to, you know, ill communication, license to ill, li- you know, listening to fight for your right to party, right the way through, mm. all the lizard lounge stuff, all the all the sort of chilled. No beats. sleep till Brooklyn. We haven't even mentioned no sleep till Brooklyn. Oh my we, god. We could talk about the discography till the cows come home. I think because every every album deserves its own episode. But I think our expertise on the band is wouldn't do it justice no absolutely not we yeah you're right we could probably have a podcast about the beastie boys <laughs> yeah. but let's uh let's, let's not be those guys so i think you tried to i think you tried to wrap us up about 10 minutes ago and i dragged us all the way back <laughs> no, don't in. worry about it man you had more to say than say it <laughs> so i will i will finally close this this chapter of aogb i will finally say i will forever love the I'll, you know i'll just sign off again why not I'll forever love the Beastie Boys and thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, everyone. No. So uh, what does that mean for next week? Well, I've already mentioned we're going to do the Killers Hot Fuss. I mean, I'll I'll do it. Oh, we fuck. Oh, we fuck. They're not even... I will call your bluff and I will listen to that trash again. You'll be listening to it on your own, mate. No, well, <laughs> I, <know> I won't. <laughs> no. Uh, so I've been few ideas have been spinning around my head mm-hmm. do i go a little bit you know we're in the we're in the mid 90s do i do i go with something else that i technically didn't... we're in the 2004 fives but we've sort of time warped back on ourselves a little bit we have i've missed out an entire genre Ooh. that i still listen to today don't think you're gonna like it though, Keith. Oh no! Is it is it more skate punk? It's not skate punk. Okay. But I feel like we've we've saw we're on we're in a bit of a, a transition back to the 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 mid two thousands where it's gonna get heavy. Things are gonna get heavy, aren't they? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I'm thinking if there's not gonna if there's gonna be an opportunity to talk about this album, this is the moment. <laughs> I'm concerned are you going to talk are we going to talk about Def Leppard no no oh so close <laughs> no you're, you're miles away uh, I want to talk about an Apex Twin album oh fucking butter my arse and call me a biscuit <laughs> oh, Apex Twin Dave if you're listening to this and you're pissing yourself laughing you can go fuck yourself Dave is my Dave is one of my 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 best friends, and he knows exactly how I feel about Apex Twin. You've got you've got a problem with the window liquor video, is that right? Gives me anxiety, man. Well, Gives not, me anxiety. It, this this album does not have window liquor on it. But the guy's sound in general, I was oh, it's 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 drum and bass, it's acid bass, it's jazz. Oh. This is going to be a rough one. It's going to—I don't know how much I'm going to have to talk about, but the the, the album I'm going to do—I'm going to be kind, and I'll give you a shorter one. 
so I can hear it. I can just hear the start of Window Liquor. We're not uh, doing Window Liquor. That's a single that was not, not on this album. That's what scarred me as a young man. We'll we'll do the Richard D. James album. What is that? That's oh, it's no. his name. Is it? Yeah. Great. Oh, I can't wait. I can see his face. If I have nightmares tonight about that that don't, visual. I mean, don't look at the album cover. I'm not gonna. I'm I'm not. I'm having flashbacks already. God damn it, Lav. You really fucking... This is the moment. If there was going to be any chance... <laughs> this is the moment. This is going to make you or break you. You could become a man. I mean, that's... There's, there's the... Um, I'm going to... Why you got to show me that? Why? For the viewers at home, he's, he's holding up the Richard D. James album cover. Yeah. That's going to give me nightmares. There's a grin for you. Yeah. That's going to give me nightmares. So, yeah. But that's got some of my favourite AFX Twin songs in, in one place that I could... Do you know what? Maybe I'll like him. Maybe I'll like it. Maybe I'll come out of this and think, fuck yeah, man, AFX Twin is amazing. I don't think you will. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong, but I think this is going to be... I'm going to get a message tomorrow morning and you're going to be like, what the fuck have you made me listen to? I may end up gouging my eyeballs out. I have no idea. You may end up ripping your ears off. We'll see. Oh, it's... Lord. I bet your dad is loving this. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably not even listening. <laughs> Good lord. No, FX Twin have, have been have I got into them in two thousand and one, two thousand two. Oh goody. And oh boy, I, I could not that I couldn't escape. I couldn't escape. It was just. You know how mostly when I bring suggestions to the podcast, you're like, "Oh yeah, cool." No, I'm looking forward to that. And you've brought an absolute couple where I've been like. Fucking kill me! <laughs> How does that work? Lance? I just want to. Exp- How does that work? It, it's it's disheartening. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> it's my, but it was my music taste, and I'm talking and it's my episode next week. So we'll we'll do that, oh, and right, then okay. we'll get back to the metal and punk and hardcore in a few weeks. I think. Cool, cool beans. All right. So, um, so no no pressure. Don't don't feel any at all. Nope, <laughs> not one, not one bit. So as this was your episode, would you like to take us home, Keith? Do we even have an outro anymore, or do we just make up as we go? Can we patch it together? Thanks for listening. This has been a live or just blathering. Head over to our socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Still no TikTok. There'll never be a TikTok. There's a couple of videos on YouTube if you really want to do that. Check us out there. Drop us a comment. Drop us a message. What did you think of the Beastie Boys? Are you looking forward to Aphex Twin? Or like me, do you want an angry cat to scratch your eyes out? <laughs> oh man, the message is tomorrow. I'm just feeling... I'm just waiting for the pods over. <laughs> this is the fun. Yeah. We're, not, we're not doing this episode. Change your mind. Give us... Uh, if you don't mind, give us a little follow on Instagram. Give us a little like if you see the posts. Maybe even drop a review into whatever platform you listen to us on. Uh, I've already said before, I have given us a five-star review on Spotify. Not biased. If you agree, <laughs> that would be great. If you don't, keep it to yourself. We love a five-star review in here. Brilliant. After that, next week, Lav will be taking us through some form of English drum and bass hellscape that will be <laughs> fucking Aphex Twin and I can't even remember the name of the album because I'm so stressed <laughs> stressed 
so stressed that you're going to make me listen to this. I have avoided this for 35 years. I don't know what's going to happen. This could be the what's end of the podcast. What's the name of the album? David Richard, James. R- Richard D. James. Richard D. James by Apex Twin. Thanks for listening. I'm going to go to the Beastie Boys to make myself feel better. Good night. Good night. <laughs>